This episode was brought to you by Clarity's two podcast series called Is This Podcast a JoJo Reference? A podcast where they dissect the iconic series by Hirohiko Akari and go completely feral over the characters. Available on Pandora and Spotify. And Deep Lore, a podcast about the media we love and why we love it. Listen wherever you stream your podcasts. Third Paradigm releases episodes every Saturday and Hump Day PSAs on Wednesdays. Please like, share, and subscribe. Welcome to Third Paradigm. We're your hosts, Clarity and Yuan. Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The hosts and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking. We at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, hosts and guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly for their own, are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm. However, when we the hosts share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because we believe in practicing integrity. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So Clarity, what's our topic for today? Um, our topic today is media and representation in kids' TV shows. Ooh, very good topic. Very, very good topic. <laughs> So it looks like we have three wonderful guests with us today. We have Jamila, we have Natasha, and we have Claire. So welcome Hi. to Third Paradigm. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. So how we're going to do this is our standard um, formula. We're going to ask a question to you. We're going to direct it at one person and then open it up to the floor. Uh, each question should roughly take about five minutes or so to answer, and that's five minutes in total, not five minutes per person. Um, and we will start off with a icebreaker. So, Clarity, mm -hmm. what is our icebreaker? Uh, waffles or pancakes, guys? Asking the important questions here. And when answering, please uh, announce your first name so the listeners know who is speaking. This is Jamila, and I will say it's pancakes for me. <laughs> this is Natasha, and for me, it's definitely homemade waffles. Ooh, homemade, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does make the difference. Yeah. Claire here. Um, I am definitely a waffle person. I uh, tried, I, this, it was, I think, last year, I tried Belgian, or a year and a half ago or so, I tried real Belgian waffles for the first time, and that just just did it for me. It just topped everything. <laughs> mm, that sounds so good. What about you, Clarity? Uh, I'm going to have to go with waffles, like any kind of waffles, like even even like the frozen waffles. I will, I'll just eat them all. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds so good. Don't get me wrong, I love pancakes, but I kind of have to pick waffles over pancakes. So I can only have that for the rest of my life. Right. For me, I, just, I just feel like you can put more on waffles. Oh yeah. I think for me, I am kind of both, I guess. Like I noticed that I default to pancakes a lot for breakfasts. Like as soon as I hear the word pancakes, I go yes. 
But I've noticed with <laughs> waffles in particular, I really do love Belgian waffles. And funny enough, it was only a couple years ago that I ever had chicken and waffles. That combo is amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Up until that point, is. I never had it. <laughs> yeah. That, that it's like, especially when you have like that one, the first time you have like the best pancake in the world or the best waffle in the world, it's like, you know, it just ruins everything else for you. you that's all you want now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do pancake, chicken and pancakes, but that might be a little strange. I don't the know. The texture's not the same. Even I can attest to that, non-vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> well, thank you for answering that one. Um, so, is everyone ready to get going? Yeah. Yay. So, um, let's see. Um, Clarity, would you like to ask the very first question? Sure do. Um, what were some shows that influenced you as a child and how? Um, you mind if I go first? <laughs> um, I would have to say X-Men. Um, X-Men and Sailor Moon. I mean, uh, for the 90s, I feel like Sailor Moon was definitely ahead of its time and its representation was like the LBGT uh, community. And um, even though they hit a lot of things, in, like the American editing and stuff like that, it was still pretty easy to you know, read between the lines with certain characters, you know, like Uranus and um, Neptune. So that's always Neptune. Cool. Mm. And, um, no, they're just cousins. Wouldn't you know it? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, we all knew. We all knew. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I was always like, they're cousins? They're very affectionate cousins. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe you're very old of cousins. <laughs> I, I think I think Sailor Uranus was my first lesbian crush. <laughs> uh, oh, that was a good one. So it's open to the floor now. If anyone likes to weigh in. Oh, this is Natasha and this is gonna sound really corny, but honestly when I was a child, a young child, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. And I wasn't, we didn't even have a TV till I think I was like seven. And then we were only allowed to watch PBS. So, um, oh, and we did get to watch Kiwi's Playhouse on the weekend. Um, but like, I watched The Bloodhound Gang, 321 Contact, Reading Rainbow, Mr. Rogers, um, Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. But my number one was definitely Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I feel like sci-fi shows as a kid were usually, or anything that was more so um, different, were definitely more diverse. Because I, I feel like X-Men was like the most diverse thing at the time that wasn't like forcing diversity and everybody had a, pers a purpose and er like the characters weren't stereotypical. They were just like perfect in their own way and you could see yourself in everyone. <laughs> X-Men did touch on a, a quite a few topics that were seen as a bit taboo back in the day. Right. Yeah. I think for me, I'll go ahead and jump in. I think for me, it was definitely like, I, I mean, even like Natasha said, reading Rainbow and um, Captain Planet was a huge one for me. Mm -hmm. but, um, I, and like Mr. Rogers was like, I think, yeah. But um, the other one was like Power Rangers, like that was another one 
and um, definitely Ekman. Like those were all kind of, I don't know. And then like, but like a sci-fi show, I remember watching, I spent a whole summer watching Lost in Space. And it wasn't necessarily like a kid's show. It was just like, you know, it just happened to be on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, good choices, everyone. Off yeah, to a great start. Yeah, off to a really good start. We got like an extra minute on this one. So, Clarity, what about you? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Sailor Moon was a big one. Um, like I mentioned previous, that was a, that was <laughs> the first indication that I got, like, mm, maybe I'm not as straight as I thought. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, um, yeah, no, that was that was a big one for me. Um, but um, what about you? For me, um, I was definitely a one Saturday morning kid. I absolutely loved Disney Channel's <laughs> cartoons like Goof Troop, Gummy Bears, Duckwing Duck. Um, I also was a Cartoon Network kid. My number one favorite that was a go-to for sure for me was Rockwell's Modern Life. Like I was a massive fan of that. That oh boy, that was game. a good one. Mm-hmm. That was a really, really big one for me. And I remember also Magic School Bus um, was also really big for me. And then um, I would also say Arthur. And Arthur, I will openly admit, I still catch that from time to time to this day. <laughs> They're on season 24 now. Uh-huh. They're actually the second oh longest animated TV show in history. I believe right after The Simpsons, if I'm not mistaken. And it is definitely the longest animated kids TV show in history. Um, I came across that dang. study somewhere and I'm like, dang, like they just released something um, last year actually on um, their YouTube channel and they were imitating, um, doing kind of like a conference call on a Zoom and they were focusing a lot on social issues in that episode. I was nice. very surprised. <laughs> wow, it's really cool. Yeah, so. Moving on to number two, we are really off to a great start. So thank you, everyone. That was fantastic. Um, so number two, in terms of representation in media, what is one show, recent or otherwise, that you will always recommend and why? And I'm going to direct this one to Natasha. Um, hey, so this was, this was a little bit harder for me to find an answer for children's shows. Um, my kids watch a lot of YouTube. They, we got all the Netflix and stuff. Um, I don't really know if this is like representation, but we really, we really like Shiro and Hilda. Mm. Just because, I mean, the female characters in those, in those shows are very, um, like they're very strong and they're not your typical girl character, there's a lot more representation of girls having power and not just being like, not just being this hetero male fantasy of some demure little creature that's actually the hero of the show. Ooh, that sounds like a good show. I'm going to hold my tongue for now, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll open it up to the floor if, uh, if that's your full answer, Natasha. Yeah, yeah, I mean, please, like, I want to know more about what other people are watching. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it is now open to the floor. Well, I think um, Steven Universe 
is a great show. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, I just think it was like one of the first um, openly um, gay and uh, pan um, show that you know sh displayed uh, cartoon characters, and I just love it so much. It, and it really tackles a lot of like interesting subjects, such as like mental health, illness, and mental health. So mm -hmm. I just always thought to myself like. Stephen Universe is the perfect, like, introduction for a lot of kids between the ages of, like, 10 and 13 because of the subject matter. Yeah, yeah I guess something in. I was going to say the one that I, the two shows I think I recommend quite a bit would be I, kind of a throwback to Mr. Rogers because there were some things that he did that really did open doors that had not happened before like um especially there was like a specific episode in particular where there's um a black male uh mailman and he like it, it's like a hot summer day and mr rogers invites him to cool his feet in the kiddie pool and that was like something that was like a very very powerful image because it hadn't it, no one had seen anything like that before, especially in TV, where it was someone openly like being like, hey, come in. And like there, that was around the time where people were still getting used to like not being segregated anymore, you know. So um, I think that kind of I definitely I loved that show for that. Um, but at least in terms of like modern, more modern shows is um like Avatar The Last Airbender is one, mostly not not necessarily because there's like tons and tons of representation, but it like, and there is, but it also deals with like harder issues of like, you know, not liking, not liking people because they come from a specific place or like dealing with like um, issues in terms of like, you know, just othering people. And I think that's one of the things that always stuck with me about that show in particular. Great answer. Great answer and clarity. I know you had something you really want to say. <laughs> so um, I, I believe it was Natasha that mentioned She-Ra, correct? Or my, yeah, I mean, that's one show I can, like my kids are younger too. So like representation mm -hmm. for ages three to, to, to nine is what is what I have at home right now. We're not really dealing with sexuality a lot yet. Right now it's more like identity and <laughs> And get like your, you know, gender roles. And I like Shira because not only is Shira like a strong warrior, but then, um, what's her name? I think her name is like Gl Glamour or something. Glim I can't remember. Yeah, Glimmer. Glimmer is, yeah. Glimmer, Glimmer is definitely a cool character. I like her. Yeah, um, so when I wrote this question, um, Shira and the Princesses of Power is actually the first show that came to my mind um, as far as representation <laughs> goes. The main character is not only a strong female, like all, the entire cast is strong, but she is also a capital L lesbian. <laughs> and then like, she is not straight and it is made, you know, explicitly clear. Um, I, I don't want to spoil, but like the last season, we get, you know, a gay kiss, which is something you don't a lot in shows for younger children, um, which I thought was neat. Uh, most of the cast is people of color. There is a main character that is, you know, autistic. It, it, it's a great show as far as representation goes. So I'm really glad that you mentioned this one. 
If I could add, Kipo on Netflix is also a really excellent show. Kipo is a really good one, yep. Yep, a large, um, diverse group of like black kids, white kids, large kids, fat kids, you know, like in Mm -hmm. different relationships. I just love that show so much. And Monster High, which is pretty deep too. (laughs) Monster High. Oh my God, Monster High. (laughs) Like, yeah, that, that show's like the first show that really delved into like disabilities and mental health and going to therapy like oh my god this is so progressive i love it <laughs> oh i did not know monster i was like that oh man you know it's another one that surprised me the uh the barbie Dreamhouse show <laughs> hmm. no it's good it's good it's, it's nice yeah yeah it, it, was, it was it was quite wholesome which you wouldn't expect from like a Barbie show. Like, there you go. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So thank you for your answers on that one. That was good. So moving on to question number three, Clarity, take it away. How do you feel about the current state of LGBT representation in modern media? How do you think it could be better? And is there a show that does this particularly well? Um, I'm going to ask, uh, Claire. Um, so this was one that I was like trying to rack my brain in. I think the closest one that I can think of that I personally have actually watched all the way through recently was Star Trek, the a new uh, Discovery, the newest um, iteration of Star Trek. It's actually really, really cool because they they deal with the the ideas of you know a, a character changing their pronouns and dealing with that and like having to like you know correct people and be like no they're they now like please don't you know and then um, but also I mean it's just it has a strong black female lead um, I just really I mean that's one that recently that I I picked out that I was like that's one that you know, at least recently that I've seen. Um, I definitely think that we could be doing better with a lot of other shows where, you know, but I, because you don't want it to seem forced. And so it's hard with certain narratives where people just don't expect it to come out. And then they're like, what, what is this? Like, why are you, it's like, you don't have to force that topic with the storyline. It's like, maybe you don't like, you know, you don't want it to ruin the integrity of the show just because you're trying to accommodate. But the, the problem is, is that that idea in and of itself is part of the problem to me personally. It's like, you know, you you don't have to force those characters. They're just part of the they're part of the spectrum of the human existence. Like, let's just it's just make it a norm. Like, they don't have to be tropes. They don't have to like live up to a certain thing. Um, but at least, I mean, that's my perspective. At least, like the modern take, anyway, is just um, yeah. It doesn't really seem to be as prevalent. It at least it's they're trying harder in kids media and not so much in the stuff that adults are digesting on a regular basis in terms of dramas or you know action shows or like any of the stuff that you would traditionally think of as like more adult-esque entertainment yeah i will say um when it comes to um, LBGT representation in um, kids' cartoons, it's definitely gotten better. Like, it's not as um, 
hinting and uh, what's the word <laughs> um, insinuated, but it's more so like, hey, you know, this is my friend, and or you know, it's just like normal. Everyone's introduced as like just this is a way of life. This is just how people are, you know, and that's okay. It's not like I don't know <laughs> in your face, I suppose. Like they're not yeah, just to accepting differences. Right. They're not trying to do too much by being like, here, here's this couple. See? And like, oh, like, just make a great, awesome character that serves a purpose to the story. And I, I think children's TV shows have really been doing a great job at, like, introducing, like, and expanding children's minds of how people live their lives and, um, and you know, just the vast world of, of how beautiful we are and our differences. Thank you for sharing that. That was really good. We got about two minutes on this question, so it's still open to the floor. Hey, this is this is Natasha. I I'm surprised to hear you guys saying that, and I'm also encouraged. Like I said, my children are still young. My my oldest one living at home is nine, um, but she has started to consume more of like the tween type of of like TV shows. She loves Disney, and Disney is very very um very very pro hetero. There's no, there's no LG, there's nothing in the Disney shows, and there's no portrayal of any kind of like inkling of a, of like romantic interest that is, that is not heterosexual. So she's watching, she's consuming all of these shows that her first impressions of like romance and everything, and there's not a single one I've seen that portrays any kind of any kind of anything outside of heterosexuality, like at all for tweens and people who are starting to like identify, identify as like, well, I'm starting to like boys and girls, you know? So I, I think that the mainstream media for, for adults now, I, I listed a dozen shows that I consume currently that deal with a lot of these topics. And I can't think of one that is for children or teens or tweens that 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 deals with it at all. Right. I mean, I definitely will say that there are uh, age groups that it's appropriate to start incorporating, like, sexual identity, you know, when you're about maybe 12 to, you know, 16, of course, as a teenager. But then, of course, when you're, like, 11 years old, maybe 10 and under, it's more so of who, are, who you are as an individual and and, and your identity and how you um, express yourself. But definitely I feel like when we talk about Avenger Time, Steven Universe, those are more so like your, your 12 and up type of like discussions and discoveries of, of knowing that, hey, you know, it's okay to like girls and it's okay to like both boys and girls or whatever in between, you know? And, and uh, so, yeah. I definitely think there's a there's age ranges that uh, have to be. The funny thing is, the funny thing is that I feel like they start introducing concepts of romance very early, very very early. Um, media that is targeted towards children six and up have romantic crushes and dating and liking, and I haven't seen a single one that deals with anything outside of hetero. And that's like, I, I, my daughter seems to be like, she's, she's, she is a heterosexual, my nine-year-old, she, she seems like she's in boys. 
Um, but if she wasn't, I, I would be, and even, even though she is, I don't really love that they're already giving her, like, she's already giving this impression of this expectation of what that's going to look like and what kind of role, she, what kind of girl she, girlfriend she'll be and stuff. And, and so I think they start to, they start to introduce ideas of romance early and then they don't. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't really give a full picture. They don't include identity. They don't include anything other than hetero. And, and so by the time you get a little bit more into it, they've already been watching, um, you know, these concepts. So they've already been consuming media with, like, concepts of romance for a, a few years before, before they, they start getting into, like, the more in-depth types of shows. Yeah, like, hetero... Nor- hetero... Uh- Jeez, normalcy has definitely been like ingrained in our society. Like it's what we see all the time on TV, like everywhere on billboards. You'll rarely ever see like anything outside of what is hetero being introduced to children. They just haven't normalized anything other than that quite yet. The world, I don't think the world's quite ready because then you get into those like discussions of, well, there's a you know, agenda to spread, you know, homosexuality and all this stuff, you know, that's when you get, like, those bigots like that who, you know, try to, you know, make it a a huge deal. But I'm like, but we're force-fed from the day we're born of what a romantic relationship should look like, you know, what the, you know, perfect family looks like. So, no, definitely, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing that always bothers me is that, like, it, they start introducing love interests in kids' shows, like, way too early, I think. That's, like, a, the thing that I, like, that always missed me, like, watching, like, su- like really, really young kids' shows, like, even just between, like, literally just between, like, you know, six and nine. And it's, like, first of all, they all still have this idea that, like, when you're that age, you're, like, oh, like, boys have cooties and, like, you know, like, that kind of mentality like you don't even like people like that yet and then and then that's the the representation is always there's always some love interest in the show to give it some weird drama when it's like there's way better things that you could be spending that storyline on you know like the time giving the, the the air to like other issues that kids that age deal with rather than you know, like, you know, what I, I wish that more kids shows showed, like, I don't know, different socioeconomic backgrounds. They don't really, they don't really teach that as much as they do these, like, you know, weird crushy and, like, love interest type shows or um, storylines. Excellent answers. Thank you all for sharing that. Very good and- very, very good. And um, I did want to add like a little extra time on that one just because it is one of those very heavy hitters because now we're starting to move into more of the deeper questions. So thank you all for um, responding on that one. So moving on to question number four, um, how do you feel about the portrayal of minorities in media and how could it be improved? Is there a show that does this particularly well? And I'm going to direct this one at Jamila. Ooh. Um, so... I would say that minorities in media has been, they've been being portrayed better, I think, than they were um, 10, 20 years ago. I think that there was a lot of TV shows, and I'm, 
I'm more so thinking about in, uh, I guess, adult terms as well. Um, I know we're trying to stick to kids, but I feel like there was a lot more stereotyping and, you know, typecasting going on um, not too long ago, like 10, 20 years ago. So I feel like now, like we were saying, things are getting a lot more um, diverse and acceptable. And I think it also really helps too when you have um, black and um, other people of colors in the writing room and adding their stories and adding their opinions and uh, making sure that um, you stay away from more real, we, well, we stay with more realistic depictions of people in our everyday society. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. And um, nuance here, so I'm just going to piggyback on that real quick. I do agree. It's important not just to have the representation on the screen, but also in the production room and in the in the executive board as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. So it is open to the floor now. Hey, Natasha here. So I mentioned before that I'm from Alaska, and there is a PBS show called Molly of Denali which is actually a brainchild of some people from my hometown. Um, and that's a great show that has, uh, you know, indigenous people of Alaska. And I think that there needs to be a lot more, a lot more racial diversity in, in the main Sorry, there's a child screaming in the background. Um, um, I think that Asians are underrepresented. Uh, you only see like crazy rich Asian types of depictions. I think Indigenous, Arabs are still very underrepresented. I'm really happy to see that, that things are starting to change and they're paying more attention to um, all, type, all different types. Of, I mean, diversity means so many things. And I think that they are trying. Honestly, Sesame Street is still winning. Mm. I totally forgot about Sesame Street. Sesame yeah. Street, yeah. They really do. They really nail it, I think. You're totally right in that. Yeah, we got about three minutes left on this question. Still open to the floor. Yeah, I think, you know, the thing that really, I think that I would love to see in terms of representation and diversity is not just, um, I mean, obviously there's so many, there's so many things that the umbrella of um, diversity um, really encapsulates. And I think that I would really like to see more um, diversity in terms of like neurodivergence and um, I don't know, like sh like kids shows dealing with like kids having an episode or like kind of a breakdown and like ha and like letting them deal with that, like figuring out how to how to handle that, like especially like when it comes to like um, like autism or ADHD, it's like you know the kids have like outbursts in class, you know, like I I remember being like a little kid and like I would ha like I didn't necessarily have outbursts myself, but I remember remember there's like another kid who was um, also ADHD in my class and he would have like he would break down in like crying fits every once in a while because of the over like the overstimulation in sensory and um, I just I don't know I mean I feel like most kids just look at it like wow that's a weird kid in class you know and at least when I was growing up and I would love to see more more representation of things like that in kids shows wow claire thank you for bringing that up like it's 
it's so pertinent because neurodiversity is really a thing and we need to normalize neurodiversity like as much as possible right um there's actually a book series that dives deep into um um mental illness and um just things that go on um in everyday uh, life that a lot of kids might not necessarily understand like divorce or trauma um i can't remember the series off the top of my head but i'm sure you can look it up and i think um those subjects pertaining to that would be great to be transformed into you know a short tv series about 15 minutes just talking about the the difficulties and the things that um people go through with mental and physical um things so yeah nuance here i definitely agree like i think mental health is definitely something we need to see across the board for all all ages and all media but um, like we're pertaining with the question about minorities and mental health, I feel like it would be very interesting seeing more shows that not only have that diversity from like different cultural backgrounds, but also exploring the mental health aspect of those different cultural backgrounds. Like one group of people has, have a whole different history that is going to impact them differently than another group. And it would be interesting seeing how that kind of coincides in the children. Um, in those shows so that would be that would be something that would be taking that like we were saying with the mental health and normalizing it and be able to have more open discussions about it and then on top of that how does this affect this community and that community um right it feels that it, it's it is really few and far between like there's like a tiny handful of like shows where you have the main protagonist is a person of color or someone from one of those communities and even more so like we're saying where they would they would be open to dive into like the the mental health state of the the protagonist so yeah i think it would break a lot of taboos if we saw more representation of you know like mental health but also within different minority groups because that's some of the, that's a a major thing like i i've talked with friends of color about how taboo it is to talk about mental health even with like people within their own families and like i think that if we would if there were incorporated storylines you know it would help to spark conversations within the home and that's something i would really like i just i really i, I want to see that future <laughs> like i want to see those people i want to see people writing those roles for people um like so that they are represented like i would love to see people that have these things in the writer's room you know to to really um give their perspective because i don't think it's heard enough absolutely so thank you so much for all of you sharing that those are really good responses and these are excellent so questions sorry. by the way clarity excellent questions thank you <laughs> <laughs> I, was writing these. I i didn't expect these answers to be so good i'm, I'm really excited <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and take away uh the next one that was number five right yeah, I think so. uh, number four. Um, yeah. No, number four. Um, if current children's shows were available to you as a child, how do you personally feel you would be affected? And I'm going to ask... <laughs> I'm going to ask Natasha. Okay. Um, 
so honestly, I think that for me now, I'm I'm 40 years old. I grew up in the 80s. Um, I think that. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you were talking about neurodiversity. You're an adult. I'll have to come back around. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're totally okay. That is okay. <laughs> To another person, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's just direct that question to uh, Claire again. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like um, you guys were talking about um, like Steven Universe. I haven't watched the whole show, but. I know I've seen a few episodes, and I think shows like that, that do deal with, like, some, like, other harder stuff that, you know, or, like, just even just fluxes in emotion and, like, dealing with, like, you know, uh, you know, liking certain people that, you know, that are different than you or, I don't know, like, it would have been so much different. I feel like, you know, it would have brought up a lot of, I don't know, more, um, not necessarily acceptance, but more awareness and a more, and a, you know what it is? It's a comfort level. I think it would have, it, it, it brings a comfort level in talking about things because when you talk about shows like kids shows, most kids watch the same shows so that they can like talk about them in school and stuff, you know? And I think that that, that in and of itself gives a comfort level of, you know, oh, like, maybe I'm not alone in how I feel about this thing or that thing. And I think that kind of, um, that kind of bridge, I would have, I would have liked to have seen that more when I was a kid. So I think that's what it would have done for me, at least, is more um, bridging the gap in communications. Um, for me, I would say, um, since I grew up as a 90s kid, luckily during that time there was a pretty fair amount of diversity but um with a lot of in comparison to a lot of children shows today i feel like like you were saying the ability to be able to um express yourself like being able to feel comfortable um, there's a lot of things i didn't realize that as a child i could say and express myself because you know at the time i just didn't know how or to have certain discussions and be even as a, uh, an adult, as I watch these children shows, I sometimes um, get into my child mind and I'm like, man, if I would have known this, you know, I would have felt so much better about that. And I would have been able to talk to my parents and explain what, how I was feeling. Cause this is an anxiety attack, you know, like things mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it, it is really important that Again, talking about mental health um, and how that's portrayed in, in children's shows and how it's like, hey, it's okay, you know, if you feel this way, if you feel, you know, lost or nervous, you know, it's okay to, like, talk about it and share with a friend and, um, you know, seek help if you need to. Okay, Natasha's back. Hi, guys. Sorry. <laughs> they're watching. They're watching Wreck It Ralph, so they're they're, they're cool. Um, I was I, I think that everybody's kind of saying the same thing. Like, um, 
it's just like seeing people who are like yourself and having having all these different choices in front of you. I think for me watching my kids, um, the stuff that they're consuming a lot of like on YouTube kids is just so it's it's like like reality for kids, reality TV for kids. And there's just so many choices they can they can they can know so much and learn so much like my my five year old knows things about like the human body because she watches videos about biology. It's crazy. It's it's just there's so much information available. We still got about a minute left on that one. Well, well you add, um, Nua, do you, you have anything you wanted to add? Um, not in particular, but I do have stuff I was thinking about in the next question. Um, so okay. with that, we can move on to the, the question number six. Um, so with six, do you personally feel that, do you personally feel adequately represented, do you personally, do you personally feel adequately represented by media, television, or otherwise? Why or why not? And I'm going to direct this one to Jamila. Um, as an adult, as we most are, I would think that, um, my most media consumption is social media. <laughs> and so, uh, I would say no, uh, only because when I'm on like the gram, um, you see more so a very polished particular type of look. And, you, and if you know me well, you know, I'm a very, you know, low maintenance chick, don't wear a stitch of makeup. So it's kind of weird to be like, oh, well, it's kind of hard to feel good about yourself when you don't see people who look like you, who aren't, you know, out there, especially when likes and things are definitely a thing, you know, they make these things addictive for a reason. Um, when when uh, we use likes and comments to validate who we are and you don't see people who look like you not getting as much um, attention or praise, it kind of, it can definitely get down on you a little bit and you know that's when you have to kind of remember who you are and 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 know your journey of where you've come and not look at you know fake social media because obviously none of that stuff is real and you know and stuff like that but um yeah i would i would say in a sense of of that um no i don't feel represented but as far as like regular TV, even in like sci-fi shows or kid shows, um, I would feel in, in some extent, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's a complicated question, <laughs> but yeah, a little bit, a little bit represented. I mean, it's, it's great to see more um, black and brown people and, and, and deeply melanated women playing romantic roles, which, you know, we usually get more so through streaming services and stuff. But um, as far as like mainstream cable TV, not too, too much, but um, like movies like Black Panther, I think was definitely a huge uh, winning movie for a lot of like black people. Cause it's like, wow, the romantic interest is um, Lupita Nyong'o and she's so beautiful. And you know, that was, that was a wonderful thing to, to see and, and witness, so yeah. Thank you for responding to that. So it is open to the yeah, floor now. 
I think it's interesting that you brought up uh, social media because, like, on social media, you can really kind of, like, curate who you're looking at, and there's so much out there now. I see myself a lot more than ever before. Um, and so, yes, but also, like, I'm, a, I'm an American white woman, but I grew up poor, and I struggle financially, and I feel like a lot of the family shows that are out there for kids and stuff, I don't see anybody, I'm like, you know, I, we watched Home Alone, we watched Home Alone all Christmas. Anybody, and like, what, what, did the, what did the Calisters do to afford that house, you know? Yeah, I have to definitely agree on that one um, nuance here. So I definitely have to agree on with Natasha on that one, that it feels that when it comes to TV and film, um, both for kids and for adults, it does feel like a lot of shows, especially like um, w around the age when I started falling out of the Disney Channel, a lot of those shows were always taking place in these gigantic homes. Like they were homes that it's like, I don't know what they do for a living. <laughs> like, and there were always like, custom-made homes where like it wasn't just regular stairs I, I there was like like crazy ways that the the family would get around the house and stuff and it was always just kind of like mm -hmm. I don't know how I can relate to this show but um that I, I will say like for me like there was some thoughts that I had when I read this question because it's a really good one um one of the first things that came to mind first for me personally was out it was a uh, Pixar short that they did and it's actually on Netflix and that was kind of piggybacking off of question number three, focusing on LGBT representation. And then that short that Pixar did, it, it really revolved around a guy coming out to his parents. And he's in an interracial relationship. His partner's out. He's not out. And without spoiling it, um, it just kind of goes through his psyche about, like, how does he express that he's with this guy? in a way that it's just kind of like, it's romantic, but he's not open to his parents. And I just love the way they portrayed that and the way that they executed that was beautiful. And then also another short that Pixar came out with, which was Float. Float was the first Filipino, um, Filipino main protagonist family that, um, that they did where it was all about a little baby or a little kid that has this really bizarre ability and the family tries to hide it. So it was almost kind of like both of these had almost similar messages of accepting your child for whoever they are, whatever their passions are, whatever their interests are, whatever they are, I, I think those are executed well. And I wanted to give also a shout out to Disney for this coming movie, the animated film that's coming out this year. I know the community is definitely on edge. We're like hoping that they're going to execute it well, um, especially because we've seen how Disney um, has been doing better with representations. Um, but it's almost like sometimes they do two steps forward and like four steps back. Um, but there's a film coming out in March called Raya. And Raya is their first Southeast Asian, quote, princess, part of the princess franchise. And she comes from a kingdom that is kind of an amalgamation of most Southeast Asian countries. So the producers went to a bunch of places to get inspiration, and I believe the kingdom is called Kamandra. So I am very stoked in seeing how that's going to come out. So that's, that's going to be cool. Yeah. I think um, for me, I guess, like I was like when um, like other people brought up, um, I think Natasha in particular brought up um, 
poverty and representation, and especially in media and kids media. And it's, you know, the the thing that there was a, the only ever the only show that I ever remember watching as a kid that really um, actually kind of dealt with it a little bit was Hey Arnold. Because his half parents, he like grew up with his um, grandparents, and they lived in a like you know it was like it was like a brownstone, but it was also in, in an, it was supposed to be obviously like in a neighborhood of like you know a, a Chicago or New York or a major urban city. I'm not sure exactly which which city it was supposed to be like very specifically, but it had that it had the grime to it without it being like overdone or making it seem like that's part of like that's the only like that's the focus of the story but they do kind of touch on like you know the the other girl in the class like his you know the antagonist is the you know the rich kids essentially like kind of bullying them a little bit and so like that was a show that i i definitely i it was like a oh i'm starting to feel like i there is representation but at the same time it's also like I don't know I was a weird kid like I was a girl that was into like bugs and dirt so I definitely didn't really see that much like representation in terms of like you know that kind of thing I I think um one of the shows that was brought up earlier was Hilda and I've actually really I've started to really love that because she's so like adamant about you know, loving nature and like how interesting it can be and basically bridging the like trope of girls are always scared of bugs and like you don't have to be scared of like these little tiny things that you don't know about, you know, like they might seem creepy, but they're actually kind of cute in different ways. And so that kind of quirkiness is being brought into some media. Um, I definitely don't think it's enough. There definitely should be more, but yeah i don't I, I think that it's it's like it's starting but it's just not quite there just yet i'm happy you mentioned hey arnold because it light bulbed in my brain a particular episode where um arnold's crush lila was actually homeless and yes um, i remember that one and it was very very deep because when she went to school you know she so happy, you know, and perfect, Little Miss Perfect. I remember that's what um, Helga used to call her. But really, she was really struggling um, back at home. You know, her father, uh, her father was a single father, a single parent, and um, yeah, and they were barely scraping by. So yeah, you're totally right. Um, hey Arnold was definitely one of those shows, and um, as told by Ginger, Ginger, yeah, was excellent yeah. shows that really portrayed um what happens behind closed doors and you know the grass isn't always greener on the other side as uh they said in the theme song of you know they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love both of those shows so i'm really glad that you brought up as told by ginger because that was another one that they brought those like themes in that i loved Thank you for mentioning her on like I'm, I don't know why that did not click in my head either earlier because that show I watched Insane. religiously like that is such a good show and if I'm not mistaken for me personally as a kid I think that was the first cartoon show that I've ever seen a kid go to therapy do you remember that episode yeah yeah, yeah. like one yeah. of these episodes she would start off in a therapy session 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that show also touched on um, one of the characters had like depression, and they didn't really shy away from that either, which was something we don't really see. Yeah, totally. I think that those two shows in particular dealt with a lot more um, like hard-hitting things and like kind of bridging those taboos that we were talking about of like poverty and like mental health and things of that nature that like don't really get talked about that much it's like it's one thing to like you know be inclusive in like the types of characters and like who the main character is or like who their best friend is which is like you know another thing that kind of always bothers me is like where's you know, where's the main, where's the main person of color is, you know, why are they always the sidekick, you know, but at the same time, it's like, there's at least, like, there's at least an, a crumb, like, there's at least crumbs of, like, the effort of trying to in, in, introduce, like, those taboo topics to kids and, like, you know, helping them and hopefully helping them deal with it in turn by seeing it dealt with in, you know, a decent or like more humanitarian kind of way. Exactly. Well, thank you all for sharing that one. That was a very, very good question. Again, I'm still like just blown away by all these questions. They are good and all these answers are excellent. They are awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So Clary, would you like to hit the second to last one? Yes. Um... Gosh, this question is probably my favorite just because it gives you guys a chance to be as weird as you want here. Um, <laughs> if you had full creative control over a children's television program, what kind of show would you make? Um, what themes would you portray and why? Um, and I'm going to ask uh, Natasha. Okay. Um, hi. Um, I like I like I mentioned before. I I really feel like um, Asian Americans. Hello. Hello. Oh no! I think she got disconnected. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, it was okay. right in the middle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no. Who answered the last question? Is it Jamila? I'm sorry. Oh, who who answered the last question? Um. Oh, you want me to comment on this uh, question? Oh, I think I directed the last one to Jamila first. Oh, okay. Then um, then let's do Claire until Natasha comes back. Yeah. Um. I okay. So this is actually a really, really interesting question to me, specifically because I got really inspired um, over over the pandemic, and um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what I was watching, but I got like super, super inspired, and I wanted to start writing stories for. Um, it was like a project, but it was just like a family thing. I think that, you know, we, we did a project and I, I wanted to do a story that, um, that I felt very represented by, but I didn't want to make it, you know, just a classic, like too classic of a story. And I started watching a lot of Studio Ghibli, which is another one that I think deals with like harder issues and makes it, it's very inspiring in that they don't make it always a romantic interest. It's like, 
it's specifically set up so that it it's not it's just the deep connections of friends and how like you can give each other hope and find light in the dark kind of thing um but i had started writing a kid story that was um like a little girl who was like um like miss like she like the they ended up their house was foreclosed on and they ended up having to move into a family home in a different city that was like left to them by their grandma or you know something along those lines and having that like connection of um like this little girl like dealing with like a you know a, you know dealing with something like because i think there's some representation in terms of like um having to move to a new city in some kids shows but like being but having it be so abrupt where it's like a it's because of finances not because oh some rich uncle bequeaths them a home kind of thing um and dealing with that and like you know but also um with like a neuro neurodivergent element to it and like and then i also got like the inspiration of like i don't know like studio ghibli with like you know fairies or you know some kind of like forest spirits helping her kind of find her way and like dealing with her you know emotions with her family and like helping like having those like forest spirits or like you know outside kind of you know, having her find a connection with nature that helped her, um, you know, uh, talk to her family about like all the hard feelings that she was having. Um, but yeah, that was like a, just an interesting aside. Cause that was a, kind of a, an idea for a show that I had. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you asked that question so specifically. <laughs> that is legit. Welcome back, Natasha. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, sorry about that. My uh, my phone hung up on you guys. Um, Claire, I just I love I love what you're Not describing. Right. Like, of course you've written a story. Of course. Um, I I really would like to see uh, like an uh, like an Asian family like kind of portrayed in the spirit of like Amy Tan, like the Amy Tan books and like the Joy Luck Club, where it's a modern American identity and there's there's just like the characters are so well developed mm. that you get to see them as as people and understand a little bit more about some of them. Like, I feel like Asians are, are just in the world are still really vilified in, especially in like in shows, like the villain is always some kind of Asian. Like we were watching Powerpuff Girls earlier. Mojo Jojo is an Asian dude and he's, he's a monkey. No, like he, if you if you listen to his accent, he's totally like, it's like a caricature, it's racist. It's totally racist oh, and this no. wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and so, I did yes, not even catch that as a kid. Yes. So, so I really, no, neither did I. And I kind of would like to see, so I'd like to see, I'd like to see more humanization of Asian people and with a with a touch of like um kind of like with a touch of like wickiness and like with a touch of like like a little bit of like good spirits and stuff like you said like uh like being in touch with some of like historically you know the the mystical like figures and stuff with like you know just a little touch of sci-fi <laughs> hmm, jamila <laughs> um Let's see. <laughs> I, I think my idea for like a, a children's show would 
would definitely be something where it's like you get to explore the world from your couch in a child's eye. So what inspired me about this is like, I used to love the segments in children's shows where they went into like other parts of the world or other classrooms and like showed how, you know, this family does this or what this culture eats. And I just think it would just be so cool if there was like a show um, with this weird little robot character that like zoomed around the world or showed on his like television belly. This sounds like Teletubbies now, but on his little like computer (laughs) robot belly of like, oh, let's see what's going on in Africa and how this family lives and culture. And I just think it would be so cool if every episode um, like taught, like talked about like the dishes in a fun, colorful way, of course, but you know, like the culture of food and the language and maybe even learn a song in Swahili or something. And I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just like, I just got like the, like thunderbolts, like thunderclap into my head of like, that reminds me so much of Gullah Gullah Island. And that was one of my favorite shows as a kid. I think it was like it was a real place actually when I was a kid until I was older. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so we have one last question. I'm just going to plug something in real quick before I move on to that one. Those were all excellent answers. And um sure. I'm going to do a real quick shameless plug-in. Natasha, you were mentioning about how you wish you saw more humanization of Asian Americans. I'm actually part of a team where we're working on a TV show for that, actually. Oh, my God, cool. Yep, so we were we dive deep into the, the show focuses a lot on a biracial family, and all the other characters that come in all have their own backstories as well. And... Um, We'll keep that still kind of like out there and keep it broad, but um, it's it's so it's so funny that you mentioned that because that's immediately why I was almost kind of like hmm, <laughs> kind of do a shameless plug-in for that one. So, but again, thank you all for sharing your opinions and feelings today. This was absolutely wonderful, and these again, yeah. my partner here, Clarity. These questions are super super well done, absolutely well done. Thank you very much. I've, these answers have been fantastic. I'm just like I'm just sitting back here and just blown away thank you guys so much so the last question that we have is our wrap-up question that we always love to do and it is describe your feelings with sharing tonight and name one thing that somebody else said tonight that touched you and i'm going to just leave this one open to the floor whoever wants to jump in on it hey natasha here i was actually pretty nervous about the call because i mean we did have technical difficulties there were screaming interruptions it was very real um so thanks for having me on um and i i just want to say claire thanks for mentioning captain planet because i forgot about that (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) i was gonna say carrying on from that last question i really liked um 
what Jamila was talking about with like her idea of like what she would love to see for a kids show of like you know like a robot going around and you know getting those like pictures of like what what an everyday family like what a did like you know them sitting down to dinner would look like in different cultures because I think that that was something that really shaped me as a kid was those kinds of experiences and I just like really loved that you brought that up because I feel like that's so important. It's not just like talking about all these hard issues, but it's you also don't have as much fear of the unknown when you're exposed to it. So exposing kids to different cultures, it's like they have the base knowledge. Like, you know, if you're exposing them, even if it's in small ways, then it, it, it creates that, um, that drive and that motivation to like try new things and get comfortable with being uncomfortable in situations and like, you know, try, like trying new foods or like, you know, seeing what other people eat and like those kinds of experiences are so important for kids and shaping their minds. I just love that idea. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, like um, tonight, I was, I was definitely nervous hopping on because I've never done a podcast before, but it was just awesome, like, hearing everyone's, like, stories and, like, how a lot of the TV shows that you guys grew up on and how it related to you and, and your life. I definitely <laughs> I definitely could relate uh, with Clarity when you talked about your first crush being Uranus for Sailor Moon because I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, there's definitely at least two anime characters from every anime that I'm like, oh my God, I don't know who is yes. them, and I don't care if they look good to me. Like, it's just like, <laughs> and then I'll find out in the original Japanese version, it's like, actually, this is a, a, a man, so it's like, whatever. And it's like, you know what? This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so a handful of shows where you have to ask yourself, like, can you marry a cartoon character? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we just thought of a new icebreaker question for, uh, you know, another episode. Like, if there's ever, if there's ever another episode that deals with the same, like, a similar topic, what was your cartoon crush? What was your yeah. first? Because oh, like, that was one I love, like, um, who was it? It was like um, LeVar Burton was probably one of my first crushes, but then also um, uh, Trent from Daria was another one. <laughs> it was Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty. Brother, it was like super cool. Clarity, you're welcome to answer on this one too. Oh, um, yeah, I, I think for me it was. Um, Jamila, when you mentioned um, <laughs> Sailor Moon, and I think I think we both kind of have the same thought here, um, bringing up the representation in that as far as LGBT goes. Um, but that that was it was nice to know that somebody else had a similar experience with that show. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for coming on today and for having this dialogue with us. And this was really, really well done. And again, I know I keep saying it over and over, but my partner here clearly did a fantastic job on these questions. And I know this was something that 
uh, hit her very close to home. That's why she wanted to pioneer this particular episode, and I applaud. And again, this proves exactly what our mission is with Third Paradigm, is that we designed the show to be a platform for everybody, for those who feel unheard. So we always open up the show to even our listeners, to all the panelists. If you want to host, you're welcome to. And if there's a topic that you really, really want to dive into, full reigns. We got all the materials. We got the tools. That is exactly what the design of this show is for. So thank you all again for coming on. I want to, uh, again, do a big thank you to my partner, Clarity, here. Thank you to Jamila, Natasha, and Claire for coming on. And this episode will be released this coming Wednesday as part of our Hump Day PSA series. And uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. You're in for free.